It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Fireway Friday. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and we are not wasting any time today. We're going to get to those questions as quick as we can, so make that call right now. Robert's ready to receive it. Brent's ready. Alex is ready, and I'm ready. Alex, uh, this is an exciting day. Fireway Friday is always fun, isn't it? Well, it really is, and we've been going through the Gospel of John, and we finished up John chapter 6, and that was a blessing, but I'm going to give this number. It's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840, and Bert, I'm going to ask you to boot up the calls, because uh, I've got this call software, but it's not working right now, but uh, we we always try to like make a record and see how many questions we can answer and do our very best to to have a biblical answer. And Bert, as you uh, get the calls up there, I want to say I I got a call this morning from a dear listener in Tennessee about um, uh, an adoption issue for uh, an expectant mother. And I know this listener is probably listening right now, and I'm not going to give the details, but Bert, I had the privilege of praying and counseling a little bit with a listener this morning that was you know, distraught over an issue regarding adoption and putting a child into a godly home versus a non-Christian home. So just, if you all think about it, pray for this listener in Tennessee who's very much involved in the pro-life cause. Amen, and we do take that. We not only answer Bible questions, we receive prayer requests, and we thank God for that. People are calling in. Let's go to the phone lines, and we first go to Texas and talk to Weldon. Weldon, welcome. How are you today? We're doing well today, brother. Go right ahead. Good. Well, uh, I am recently divorced, and and it was due to some infidelity. And so biblically, uh, I guess uh, my divorce is recognized, I guess. But in the thought of remarrying, what about the partner? If, If their divorce, if they were divorced and theirs was not due to that, is it still going to be recognized by God uh, or blessed by him? Weldon, thank you for calling. Let me just share this. Paul Paul had a lot to say about this, and he is talking about uh, if you are single and you're single and never been married or single because of death or divorce, the best, according to him, in serving the Lord is to remain that way if you can but he said, if not, then marriage is open to that. But make sure you're marrying someone. Alex, I, uh, I, this is one of those issues that people disagree on. Uh, I, I think it's best uh, for the divorce to have been for that biblical reason, as you said, Weldon. Uh, this thing of uncycling, you know, uh, differences that cannot be reconciled. Uh, it sure has made marriage uh, less of what it should be, hasn't it, Alex? Well, it really has, and you know, not to um, sound judgmental or, or or be overly critical of anybody. Uh, let me just say this, Bert. Could you imagine what a different world it would be if, going back a hundred years, we all had decided to keep our marriage vows at any cost? I mean, it would be, and and, and look, uh, for all of human history, I mean, divorces existed, but it was rare. And in 1970, California and New York implemented what they called no-fault divorce. And of course, that spread throughout all of the nation and now throughout the Western world, Europe, and certainly America. You know, the majority of marriages do end, end up breaking up. The majority of children will never live their entire you know, young lives under the roof with their biological mom and dad. And so many of our, I know this through my study in developmental psychology, that so many of the problems, um, gender confusion, substance abuse, self-harm, depression, thoughts of suicide, uh, same-sex attraction, 
just an endless litany of our social problems are due to the breakdown of the family. That's just a fact. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to, you know, beat up on anybody. But let me just say regarding this, um, you're going to have to pray that through and search out your heart on it. Um, you know, because the the cause of the divorce, uh, there is some biblically significance. I'm just, I don't know that there's a hard and fast rule that we can put out there, but as a disciple, let's always remember that our first priority is not to be, quote, happy or pursue happiness. Our first priority is to follow God's will for our life. And, Bert, I believe we learn God's will for our lives through the pages of his word. Amen. Weldon, uh, pray, seek the Lord, uh, ask questions about uh, the remarriage concerning why, uh, and, and be wise on it. So, Weldon, thank you for calling. Let's go to Oklahoma. Maria, welcome. Maria. Hello. Uh, yes, you're on. Oh, yes. Yes, I was trying to find that. I believe it's in John, but um, our, uh, the liturgical churches have what they call the office of the keys, which means that the minister or uh, the pastor or priest can say, I forgive you your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And that always bothers me because I, did, I thought that anybody could forgive anybody's sins and for the minister, to, because Jesus said it is finished. Uh, and it seems like in our particular church, uh, and there's other, I mean, we're a very strict synod of the Lutheran church, which doesn't believe in, you know, other kinds of marriages. But I, I wanted to know what you think of where Jesus tells Peter, whosoever sins you forgive will be forgiven, and those you don't forgive will not be forgiven here in this life and in hereafter. So that kind of bothers me. Okay, Maria, thank you. Alex, we got Jesus said it well. Only God can forgive the sin and not hold it against us. We can forgive those things that were done against us, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, we should do that, shouldn't we? Well, we should. You're right. In Mark chapter 2, it says, who can forgive sins but God only? So our offenses before God uh, are forgiven by God when we ask. Uh, Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. And we don't have to have a mediator to go before us to Jesus, because Jesus, the Son of God, is our mediator, and we go straight to him. Now, when we forgive others, as you know, Jesus taught us to do, uh, we can forgive others, but really the right to absolve oneself before God really is in the hands of only God himself, not man. And, and again, Maria, that's what you do. So that I, I think they're uh, putting too much authority in leadership and, and men when that takes place. I really do. So hope that helps you, Maria. Let's go to North Carolina and talk to Sonia. Welcome, Sonia. Hey, guys. Thank you all for what you do. Quick question. How do you respond in a Christian way to a fellow Christian who says her and her pastor agree that the Old Testament is now null and void when I sit down and read and get so much out of the Old Testament. How do, how do I respond to that person? I'm going to hang up and listen. Thank you. Thank you, Sonia. Alex, uh, that is not unusual these days, is it? Yeah, I mean, we uh, there, there's a word, antinomialism, and namas, N-O-M-A-S, Namas is a word for law, and we live in a time that it really there's a lot of sentiment against the law, antinomian, and the law of God. Uh, let me say this. It, John 5.39, Jesus said, Search the Scriptures, for they testify of me. If the Old Testament is somehow, quote, null and void, then Jesus must have been wrong, because... You know, Jesus said in John 10, 35, the scripture cannot be broken. Uh, and he said that heaven and earth would pass away, but his words would never pass away. I mean, whenever somebody says that, the, the Old Testament is null and void, I'm like, in, in what way? I mean, so God didn't create, there wasn't a Garden of Eden. Um, you know, what about the promise of the restoration of Israel and the return of Christ? And so I always ask people, do you really mean all of it is null and void? 
Um, now, I think what they mean, but they're not all that specific about it, is somehow if we're in Christ under the new covenant that we don't have to pay any attention to the Old Testament. And Bert, that too is not accurate because the Old Covenant, uh, Old covenant is the natural pre- predecessor to the New Covenant, but it's like the New Covenant, salvation through faith in Jesus, who, the Messiah who came, it doesn't mean that we've nullified the old. It means that we've fulfilled it and completed it. But let me just say, textually, scripturally, historically, there's no justification whatsoever for the disregard of the Old Testament. It's merely just a modern attitude in our liberal, lawless times. And let me say this. The New Testament, would a lot of it, I would say probably half of it would not make any sense without a knowledge of the Old Testament. I mean, you read the book of Jude, and it refers so many things back, the book of Hebrews. Who would you know who in the world Melchizedek was if if it weren't for the Old, Old Testament? So all it is relevant to today. And, and Paul said these were for our examples as we look back upon them and to see. Now, I think this comes in, too. People want to make that the law, you were saved by keeping the law. That has never been the case. You've been saved by God's grace, and it was through faith. Now, the faith was, it was no different for us exhibiting it, but we look back toward what Christ has done. They look forward to a Messiah coming. They didn't have the clarity of everything that we did, but they had some. But, Alex, you're, it's Old Testament or New Testament. From Genesis to Revelation, we're saved by grace through faith. There is no other way, is there? There really isn't, and and let me say this, and if this sounds harsh, please forgive me. I'm not trying to be sarcastic or anything like that, but anybody that would say the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore or is nullified, they're, they're either very, very uninformed or they're willfully misleading people, and I would say that person is a false teacher, and whether it's out of ignorance or malice either way that's not the kind of teacher you would ever want to sit under and i listen this sunday i am going to be preaching out of the book of nehemiah at auburn baptist church here in northeast mississippi and uh man but guess what i'll refer back uh, toward the new testament and when i'm preaching to the new testament i usually refer back to the old testament they complement one another and complete one another Thank you for the new covenant, but thank God that we have the Old Testament. We'll be back with more of your questions here on Fireway Friday on Exploring the Word right after this break. Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and the persecuted church around the world is paying a heavy price simply for following the Lord Jesus Christ. Warlocks burned down the home and shanty church that Emilio pastors in Chiapas, Mexico, near the border of Guatemala. And these male witches, they surrounded the homes of church members so they couldn't leave for two weeks. All of this because Christians oppose their pagan worship, but they lovingly share the gospel with those who persecute them. Listen, hundreds have come to Christ, and when I ask these heroes of the faith, how can we pray for you? They never say pray for an end to our suffering because they know God's working through it. What they pray for is that new believers will be able to endure and persevere under tremendous hardship and you can do that when you can open your own Bible and be reminded of God's precious promises. $5 sends a Bible, $50 sends 10, $500 sends 100. Please, in this season of giving, pray about it and then call 800-YES-WORD 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org org. Childbirth is wonderful, but there's more to life than being born. Dr. Tony Evans says that in the same way, newborn Christians need to make that same discovery. He'll talk about that today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the expectation of human history. You are not just saved to go to heaven. You are saved to live out God's kingdom. See, he saved you for a kingdom purpose in time and an eternal kingdom purpose forever. But it is you, salvation only got you into the kingdom door. But now you're supposed to be living in the kingdom atmosphere. 
See, we're so excited to go to heaven, uh, we brag about how nice the door is. Oh, I didn't go through the door. Jesus is the way. Jesus says, I am the door. We got through the door, but come on, there's, a, there's more to the house than the door. Okay? When you go through the door, you enter. Once you enter, there's the living room, dining room, bedroom, closets, garage. There's a whole lot of stuff to this kingdom than just getting in it. I'm saved, okay? You made it through the door. But to make it through the door is just the start. We brag about I'm saved on my way to heaven. Praise God, you got a door. But you were brought into something bigger than a door. You were brought into his house, his kingdom, his rule, his authority, his dominion. That's where you're supposed to be operating now. As son of God and son of man. Learn more about the words used in the Bible to describe Jesus and how that understanding can change your life. Check out Tony's book, The Power of Jesus' Names, available online at TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Colossians 1.13 American Family Radio This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Well, Exploring the Word is back. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper, we would love for you to call in on this Fire Away Friday, the number 888-589-8840. Hey, Bert, I wanted to tell everybody I'll be in Yoakum, Texas, Sunday through Wednesday at New Life Baptist Church in Yoakum. If you're down that way, I know that's not too far from Robb, Texas, and Harlingen and Austin, a lot of great cities around there. Corpus Christi, two and a half hours away. Quero, Texas, where we love. Been to Quero many times, but if you're in the area of Yoakum, Texas, Sunday through Wednesday, New Life Baptist Church, I'd love to meet you in person. Amen. Hope you can do that. Well, let's go to the phone lines, and we go to Virginia and talk to Monty. Monty, welcome. You know what, Bert and Alex, you're going to be at a challenge this is Culpeper, Virginia, and I've told Addisons that if they don't get here before Alex and Bert, then both of them can show up at the same time. But you know, I'm <laughs> between Rich, Richmond. I'm between Richmond, which is 90 miles, our state capital, and then DC, 70 miles. Culpeper is the greatest place for revival. And by 2023, could we possibly get you here? Hey. It sounds good to me. What do you say, Bert? Amen. Let's go Virginia. We've been in Richmond many years ago, but we would love to be up that way. I guarantee you. Uh, work on it, Monty, and try it. See what you can do. Talk to some churches, and uh, uh, yeah. Alex and I, we, we will do what we can do. All but, right. Thank and, you, brother. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, you can email us, and this goes for everybody listening, word at AFR.net. If you want to send us a request or something like that, we'll we'll do our very very best. Can guys, can I ask you a question? Go right ahead. Uh, you know, I've I've watched whatever movies like 1959 when when Charles and Heston was in the Ten Commandments. I think it was 59 or 56. Um, but then I saw Nelvin Moses. What is it when they were going to the Red Sea and then all those chariots and all that military force was, was going to wipe them out? And, and, you know, guys, in the documentaries today and all the genealogy and, uh, and all the reference to paleontology, all the stuff that digs up findings, they, you know, they have agreed that they're finding many what parts of the chariots and the wheels. Is that true? Well, you know, Bert, let me jump in on this. This goes actually back to 1978 that there were in a play. I'm probably going to mispronounce this A-Q-A-B-A-Aquaba, the Gulf of Aquaba, which is a dive site, they found, covered in coral, things that undoubtedly were uh, chariot wheels, like wagon wheels. And uh, I've seen film footage of these things, and this goes back to um, the the Egyptians that uh, chased the, the Israelites into the Red Sea. So, Bert, you know, I, I don't rule out, you know, obviously our trust is in the Word of God, and we don't need external evidences like this to validate that the Bible is the Word of God, but um, 
over and over, whether it be buried in the ground or even things like this, that I'll say this certainly um, agrees with what the Bible says. Now, are these the chariot wheels from the Pharaoh of the Exodus that chased Moses? I don't know that we can know that, but it certainly doesn't refute what the Bible says and actually seems to corroborate it. You know, the archaeologists that have discovered so many things over in the Holy Land has collaborated the Bible again and again. And uh, recently, something found about King David that they, whoa, we didn't know that was happening. So that is so true, and we praise God for it. The Word of God standeth sure. So thank you, Monty. Let's go to Mississippi. Welcome, Charles. Hey, yeah. Yes, you're on, brother. Hello. Okay. Um, thank you all uh, very much for uh, all that you do. Uh, it's a real blessing, and I'm I'm able to listen to it now just about every day. Um, I have two two uh, issues, um, and I'm going to just make a short comment, and then I'll hang up and listen to you all. Um, the first one has to do with what was in uh, John chapter 5, um, and it's in verse 40. Um uh, where the Lord says, this is a new King James version, but you are, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. And the key word there is willing. And this has to do with, you know, the sovereignty of God and responsibility of man. Um, the other was, is in Luke chapter 13, uh, verse 34, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood and her wings, but you were not willing. Um, in this one, Jesus says, I wanted to, God says, I wanted to do this, but you were not willing. In this other verse, it's the same idea, um, you know, but you were, you were not willing to come to me that you may have life. Um, and I appreciate y'all's, y'all's teaching is, is very true and kind in your spirit. And it's, it's, um, it's biblical and it's balanced. Balance is the word I was thinking of. And those who uh, in, emphasize only the sovereignty of God, you know, um, these verses here, uh, you know, God is saying, I wanted to gather your children, but you are not willing. And the key word is willing. And the other one, it's almost as if they would change this to say uh, in verse 40, but you are not able to come to me that you may have life. Yeah. Uh, uh, hey, let yep. me let me jump in here for a second. And thank you so much, Charles, for your call. And for your your kind words, and uh, to to the degree that we're uh, ministering effectively, we we certainly give God the glory. Bert, I, the word will there, like in in John five forty, and you will not come to me that you might have life, and that you where Jesus said, you know, um, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stoned the prophets and killed those I sent to you, how often would I have gathered you to myself? as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but ye would not. The word there uh, for not willing on the part of a human means to have a desire opposite to some other desire. God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, and yet people reject. Uh, God called out to people, and they uh, resisted. So using our free will to reject God or to say, no, I'm going to do it my way. The word there for will really means to have an opposite desire. So God desires that we know him. God desires to forgive us. God desires to bless us. And when we're saying no to the Lord, we're saying, I've got a desire opposite than God's desire for me. And that that's... Very counterproductive, because listen, God's blessing for your life is what you should want for your life. Amen. And let me just say this, Charles. The sovereignty of God, he is ultimately, his will will ultimately be done for his mankind. But each individual has a choice. They have accountability. And I, Alex and I, now we're in good shape when we say we'll agree with Charles Haddon Spurgeon, but yeah. he's the one that said, why should friends fight, you know, Alex? And even though it's, we talked about the Trinity yesterday and knowing it's real, knowing it's there, that we cannot completely illustrate that no matter how much we try, it is beyond our 
complete understanding. I would say the sovereignty of God, of God doing it, and man's accountability. Uh, we look at it and we say, man, it just looks like it's one or the other. No, it's both. And God is the one that is able to do that. God's sovereignty, our accountability, that they work with with uh, in God's sight. So uh, thank you so much, Charles, for your call. Let's go to North Carolina and talk to Jeff. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. I appreciate uh, everything that you do. Um, I have a question that's been dogging me for a very, very long time. Uh, there is a scripture that says uh, a group of men that were affiliated with Jesus Christ said, hey, we did these great things for you. You know, we cast out the demons, we healed the sick, uh, we filed the disciples' tax returns, we did everything, right? <laughs> and Jesus said, I did not know you. I don't know if he says, get away from me, but he says, I did not know you, right? And that's horrifying to me, because I have not operated in the Spirit. Like, I have not had, like, lightning bolts come out of my eyeballs. I haven't done healing of the sick. I have not done the um, all of those things that, you know, is attributed to your, the greater walk of Christians, right? So he says, get away from me. I didn't know you. And I've done not nearly as much as those men claim that they did, right? So are they talking about a faith that, you know, is justified by works? Because they were affiliated with him. They knew him. They spent time with him, right? I mean, was their heart not fully aligned with Jesus? You know, can you can you guys speak to that, please? Because I know a bunch of people, they're like, I love Jesus, but, you know, we give tithes and we pray and we do great things amongst each other. But, you know, yep. I haven't restored sight in anybody. I haven't, you know, I haven't hey, done Jeff, that. Hey, Jeff, we haven't, we haven't either. We have, we, we, I've seen God heal them and God do some great things. Let's do two things real quickly. We covered some of this in John chapter 6, even this yesterday. It says mm-hmm. there were those who believed on Christ, but they walked away from him. And Jesus declared them, and he said to Peter and the others, are you going to also walk away? And they said, no, you are the Lord. You have the words of eternal life. We couldn't go to anywhere else. We have come to believe in no that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, there's those that that they come part of the way, and they can even be associated with works, good works, even associated with those that do the good works and feel they are part of them. But according to that passage that you read, Matthew 7, they did not know him. Go ahead, Alex. Well, well, God bless you. You know, it does say there in John 6, 29, this is the work of God that you believe on him who the Father has sent. Okay? Let me give you, so if you want to know God's work or God's commandment, well, here's the thing. It says in 1 John chapter 4 verse I'm sorry, 323, 1 John 323, this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ. So, in the the Matthew 7 uh, 23 and 24 that you were talking about where Jesus said, I never knew you. What he's saying is to go to heaven, it's not these outward religious works, but it's to know Jesus, to have a relationship with him. And the way that you do that is you acknowledge that he is the Son of God and he died for our sins because First John 5, 1, now this is very key, folks. First John 5, 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, isn't that something? So I would like for you to pray and make sure, and anybody listening, all right, just within your heart, whoever you are, uh, this transaction, you admit that you're a sinner. You believe Jesus is God the Son, as he said. When he died on that old rugged cross, he did it, yes, for the whole wide world, but he did it for you. He did it for William and Joshua and David and Bert and Alex. And then you ask, and if you say, Lord, I am sorry for my sins, and I do believe you are the Son of God. I acknowledge you died for me, and I'm accepting what you did as a payment for my sins. Please come into my life and save me. Lord, I believe, help me to follow you from this day forward. Bert, it's not so much the words, but the sincerity of your heart. But here's the thing, and... And let me say, take 
God at his word. You don't, you don't have to worry, oh my goodness, if I died, would I go to hell, not heaven? No, the word of God says, if you have believed on the name of the Son of God, you put your faith, your trust in Jesus. Jesus himself said it, that you believe on him and you will be saved. And Bert, um, isn't that a wonderful thing that our standing with God is based on what he says, and like 1 John 5, 1, if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he died for our sins, 1 John 5, 1 says we are born of God. Amen. Speaking of 1 John, if you have a pen and paper, everyone, listen to this. If you're wondering about your salvation, go to the book of 1 John that Alex just referred to. Look up John. It's 2, 3. Two, three. We know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And then chapter 3, verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. And then he continues on in chapter 3, verse 24. It says, and by this we know that he abides in us for the spirit whom he has given us. And it does not stop. It continues on in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And verse 2 says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. And then in 1 John 5, 13, it says, These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Look at First John. I'm telling you what, it will bless you, and you can nail down your salvation. Thank you, Jeff, for calling today. Let's go to Virginia and talk to Richie. Richie, welcome. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you so, uh, so much for your ministry. I listen every day. Uh, First-time caller. Um, today, oh, I'm just I'm calling with a super heavy heart. My My daughter is 12, and she um, has a, an eating disorder, and she's just, she just does not eat well at all, and she's been losing so much weight. I've recently purchased a book, The Bondage Breaker, and just trying to go through these uh, some steps with her praying and and um, and asking for forgiveness of doing this to herself, and then and then I, and then going over the promises of God with her and how she has identity in God and and how He breaks these bonds. But it is it's tough, and we've been going through it daily now for a good five days, and, uh, and I'm just needing prayer. Richie, we're going to pray for you. We're running close, but write this down. Richie's daughter, eating disorder, 12 years old. Ask God's deliverance for her. Give Richie and his family wisdom on what to do and help. Father, we ask that you meet this need according to the riches that are in Christ Jesus. Give her the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Richie. I hope everybody will continue praying. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute. No way. There's a way. The Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. Less than 3 million votes separated the presidential candidates in 2016. 39 million Christians didn't vote. When we don't vote, we let someone else decide issues like sex education and marriage. We let someone else pick Supreme Court judges, and we let someone else decide how our taxes are spent. It may seem like our vote isn't important, but it is. This election day, we can make a difference by voting biblical values. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. Grocery bills, gasoline, health care. Our cost of living, we're already through the roof. Then my husband lost his job. If we were gonna have healthcare, we had to find a better option. A friend at church told us about MediShare. It's hundreds of thousands of Christians who share each other's medical bills. Since we switched, we're saving $500 a month. We love how well it works and that it's so easy to use. And whenever we call, the customer service is so helpful and supportive. Best of all, 
We never have to wonder whether our money is being used to pay for things we don't believe in. For our family, MediShare is real peace of mind. Call 833-44-BIBLE to find out how much you can save on your health care. MediShare. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James 1.22. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. This scripture underscores the harrowing reality that permeates the life of many who profess to be Christians. The blessing of being a Christ follower comes not only from hearing God's word, but obeying it. James continues, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for listening to Exploring the Word on Fire Away Friday. We'll continue taking Bible questions, and the number is 888-589-8840. And, Bert, where shall we go next? Let's go to West Virginia. Rick, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yeah, this is uh, Rick from West Virginia. I really appreciate you guys, and uh, I listen to you often, and uh, you just bless my heart every time I listen to you. My my question that I'd like to get your take on is I've heard it taught in the last year or so a couple different times. When it comes to prayer, audible prayer versus silent prayer, can Satan only hear our audible prayers? And in the teachings, one said we need to watch how we pray audibly because Satan's listening and to avoid him launching attacks against us. So I'd appreciate your take on it. Okay, Rick, thank you. Listen, Satan can put things in your mind. There's no evidence anywhere in the Scripture that I found, Alex, that Satan has the ability to read my mind. And I, I know I have stated this before, Rick. I've come to the Lord silently on some prayers at some time because I did not want to express it loudly. Uh, and, yes, that's I, I believe that with all my heart. Alex, you may disagree with that. No, no, I think you're right. Uh, you know, Ephesians 2, 2 calls him the prince of the power of the air. I think it's very interesting. So much darkness goes out over the airwaves, but uh, Satan cannot read your mind. Uh, Satan, I do think, is a master tactician, and that's why, and I don't want to kind of be weird on you, but um, in ministering to people and just in life, I mean, very often I do pray in my heart, and I don't say everything I know, you know, um, uh, and, you know, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says that we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us or entangles us. Bert, I do think, as an observer, Satan knows how to tempt us, discourage us. I think that by observing habits and behaviors, Satan probably knows what our spiritual Achilles heel is. But no, the devil cannot read your thoughts. Uh, But nevertheless, I think we do need to be judicious sometimes about things we say and certainly things we do. Amen. Rick, thank you. He, Satan is a limited foe. Let, yes. He is not equal to God. Uh, regardless of what Satanists believe and others, they are, it's not two equal forces. No, God is greater. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Praise God for that. Let's go to Ohio and talk to Joshua. Joshua, welcome. Hey, Bert. Uh, 
Oh, yes. Hi. Uh, good to talk to you both. I had a question uh, concerning Christ's return, if uh, I'm alive to see that, if that happens in my lifetime or whenever it might be. Um, do you think that we would see Christ in the clouds, in the air, we hear a trumpet? Uh, you know, I've seen the Left Behind movies where people just kind of disappeared, and then I've, I've read in Revelation and heard Bible stories where, uh, from Sunday school where you might, you might see him in the air and stuff. So I was wondering what your take on it is. Okay, thank you, Joshua. Here's what he said in the book of Acts. As you have seen me go, you shall see me when I come. Now, when he comes in the clouds, he's not going to touch his foot on the earth. It may be up in the clouds. Alex, uh, the rapture in him and seeing him, uh, Mm -hmm. we're going to be caught up with him. Now, the visual part of it, it will be real. It will be physical. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we look at him uh, immediately. But as we gathered up, I think we will see him. Yeah, Revelation one verse seven. Revelation one seven. Behold, he comes with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, Amen. You know, um, Bert, if you've ever been up against something gigantic, it can be a little overwhelming. I remember. As a kid, the first time I ever went to Atlanta, Georgia, we were downtown Atlanta with my mom and dad, and those skyscrapers were so high. I mean, you look up, and they just look like they were going to fall on top of you. And I remember, um, you know, being at a football game a couple years ago, and there was a drone. All these drones were up in the sky, in the nighttime sky, making a pattern. And, I mean, it's like, wow, the this thing is huge. Well, imagine the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords returning, and the whole wide world. Bert, I believe it when it says every eye will see him. I'm telling you, it's going to be the biggest sight ever. And some people will see Christ and rejoice. Here is my Savior. Some people, like Revelation 1-7, will mourn. Oh no, it's too late. Here's the one I rejected. Folks, you can be ready. Put your faith in Christ today. Now, Alex, just let me ask you this. Is that him coming to the earth or coming to rapture the church that you think of in verse 7? Well, do you know what? I, I think the Revelation 1-7 is Christ coming at the end of time. I do, too. The rapture is yeah. what I was referring to. Exactly. About we'll be being, caught away. Yeah, that's that's my take. So I, I just wanted to clarify. Thank you so much. Let's go to Kentucky and talk to David. David, are you there? I'm here. Thank you. Yes, go um, ahead. So I recently had a proposal that uh, I've never heard before. I wonder if you'd address it. Uh, so the guy said that uh, Adam and Eve, the, the God's commandment to to not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, proposed the idea that it had been better for them to wait for his approval or his uh, his his uh, yeah approval to, to eat. Rather than uh, and as though the the commandment may not have been for uh, for uh, once and for all, and is uh, wondering what your take on that is because it seems to me that would affect uh, a lot of things. Go ahead, Alex. Time wise, get as many as we can. Go ahead. Yeah, you know the Genesis chapter two, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you know what um, Adam and Eve knew? good, a perfect relationship with God, but they didn't yet know evil. But they ate that, they disobeyed God, and sadly, yes, their eyes were opened, and they knew good and evil. How better it would have been if they had remained in that state of righteousness and and known only good. And so they disobeyed. But Bert, that, that tree, the test, was there because... Uh, the only way that a legitimate relationship is possible is if there is choice involved. And sadly, our our parents, and, and we all have the same mom and dad, Adam and Eve. That's our mom and dad. That's our parents. They chose to disobey. And uh, 
how unfortunate, but praise God, there's a way that Eden is restored and humanity's relationship with God, and that's through the Messiah, a very different tree, a cross on Mount Calvary. I'm Bert, aren't you glad for that second tree? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Let me say this about the tree, too. It's a, it was limited. God always has set those limits, the tithe, the seventh day, the land resting yet certain periods of times. God's limits is always helpful and beneficial. When God puts those limits on us, they are good. And that was a good limit that God had on them not eating of that tree. They didn't have to eat of it. They already, as you said, Alex, they already knew the good. Thank you so much, Joshua. Let's go to Iowa and talk to Barb. Barb, welcome. Hi. Um, so a week ago today, a very young mother and a six-month-old baby were in a car accident that we never want to hear about. That baby is fighting for her life, and we have been standing so strong. Her mother and father have been amazing. Her mother was released from the hospital. They were in separate hospitals. They were both airlifted. But they have been praying for her. name is Maciella, and they we have stood prayer vigils over her and anointed her with oils and her room, and they are standing so strong on the belief that God is going to have a miracle and that baby is going to open her eyes and I just want to know if you would pray that with us. We will, Barb. Hey, not only Bert and Alex, but Alex, we have folks that wrote that uh, name, and we're praying for them. Would you mind leading us in this prayer? And and tell me that child's name again. Marcella, was that it? Maciella. 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 Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, how our heart is moved to hear this little child fighting for her life. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for Maciela, please help this little precious baby to recover and not have any lingering effects. I pray for complete healing, and someday this little child will raise up and be me a, a mighty leader for you, Jesus. Help the mother, help all involved, and Father God, as only you can do, please bring good out of what otherwise would have been a tragedy and we ask this for the glory of your name and in your name we ask it jesus amen amen thank you barb thank you let's go to virginia and talk to william william welcome hey how are y'all doing doing well today man well, uh, Monty, that called us sick. The last segment is from Culpepper. We're so am I. We're both from Culpepper, and he's right. We need revival in Culpepper, Virginia. <laughs> well, amen. Hey, sounds like we need to go. <laughs> the Lord, what's, uh, amen. Well, my, amen, amen. Well, my quick question is, who is going to end up in the new heaven and the new earth? Okay, great. Every follower of Jesus Christ from Adam to the very end. Alex, you got a better answer? Well, as Johnny Cash sang, the saints of all the ages who believed in him will rise. Amen. That's the Old Testament saints, uh, the tribulation saints, those of the church. Man, hallelujah. Thank you. Hey, William, you've given us a question that we're rejoicing in. Thank you so much. Let's go to Vernon and from Ohio. Vernon, welcome. Hi, how you doing today? God bless you all. Yes, sir, God brother. God bless you. Uh, my question is, uh, of course, the sins that Jesus took on the cross were our sins, and every time we sin, that's just another sin that we put on him. But is was he held, was he, uh, when, when he died, did God have to turn his back on him because of the sin, or did, because it wasn't, he didn't sin, but we sinned. So I, can you help me on that one? Clear it up, please. Alex, go ahead. We we know what that means, that God does not look upon sin in approval. Now, that's, you know, he has to look at sin if he looks at any of us, but he sure didn't look at it with approval. So Jesus had to bear the cross alone. That's that song, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, the Father turned his face away. Um, and the Bible says that uh, in 1 Peter 2.24, Jesus himself bore our sins. And, of course, very famously, and my goodness, that we could print a theological library on what this might mean, Second Corinthians 5.21, that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. Bert, uh, 
Isaiah 53, 6 says that the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, the Father turned his face away, and I don't completely know what that means. God did not cease to be God. Jesus didn't cease to be the Son of God. But in some way, to achieve the, the payment, the Father momentarily, I don't understand it, the Father and Son, their relationship somehow was interrupted, severed, Jesus alone forsaken. Sometimes it's called the humiliation of Christ. Um, but somehow, and, and again, the nature of God did not cease to exist, but the Father and Son, for the first and only time in eternity, were separated. And that's a, a... We just don't understand it, but let me just say this. Christ went to the most painful, extreme means necessary to make it possible for us to be saved. And I think we should love him and worship him and follow him for that. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's go to Texas and talk to Daniel. Daniel, welcome. Yeah. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing? Well, brother. Uh, my question was, Paul, um, uh, he seems to be the guy that Jesus was warning about, the leaven of the Pharisee who elevated himself to be called Father. He does not preach repentance. Uh, he doesn't. He attacked the other apostles, called them super apostles, exalted himself to be an apostle after being a murderer. Uh, he's from the tribe of Benjamin, which is the ravenous wolf. Um, everything he preached was contrary to that which what Jesus preached. So I wonder why do so many people uh, follow Paul as this great apostle when it seems he was the one which Yeshua warned us about? Uh, Alex, go ahead. Hey, let me jump in here for yeah, a second. Go ahead. Great, Daniel, great question. Well, you've got to understand the very same gospel that Paul preached, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5. That's the very same gospel that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. I mean, if you read Acts chapter 2, which talks about the fact that Peter said, Jesus, a man approved of God by the resurrection of the dead. So here's the thing. Um, people cite Paul, but Paul is absolutely in harmony with the very same gospel that Peter preached, that Jesus uh, told about, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So when they talk about the ravenous wolves that would come in, uh, it says denying the Lord who bought them. So Paul certainly didn't deny that. Please don't be misled by the anti-Paul writers out there that are simply uh, unaware of the, the, the continuity of the New Testament. The gospel throughout the New Testament is the gospel that the Son of God paid our sin debt on the cross. Paul made it plain that he would be ashamed not preaching the cross. It was Jesus. So thank you, Daniel, for your call. Hey, Cookie called from Kansas, and we would say she wouldn't make a comment about abuse. Yes, listen, uh, abuse, don't, don't stay in there. Don't make divorce the first thing you do, but take care. If abuse is taking place, you need to have some separation. So thank you, Cookie, for calling. It's been good to be with you today on Exploring the Word on Fireway Friday. We hope you have a great weekend and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.